Hi, I'm Ali. And I'm Penny, and you're listening to Not Too Busy to Write. The podcast about writing, publishing, and creativity amongst life's many other demands. Ali and I are chatting together today. Uh, we thought we'd do an episode about what our writing lives are looking like at the moment because of course um, writing lives don't stay looking the same and as writers we go through lots of different phases and in fact actually it's kind of an interesting point to talk about this because Ali and I are both in different points at the moment um, so um, Ali do you want to kick off with what's what's your writing life looking like right now? Um well, it's looking, I was going to say quite chaotic, but that's not quite like the calm and confident and professional um, approach that I clearly take to my life. No, it is looking quite chaotic. It's um, very different um, to how it used to look. I'm obviously at the stage where m- my first book, The Last Days, is out in July. Um, and so I'm just starting kind of kicking off doing some press and events. The cover was revealed today. Um, so that's been a lot of work going into that. Um, and so it's kind of this this life that looked one way is suddenly starting to change a lot. And I feel sort of like I have a brand new job as well. Um, got that mm. kind of exhaustion of when you have a new job or when suddenly something changes in your life and you, you're kind of taking on different role um so that that's happening with the first book and for a wee while I'd been able to forget about the last days um and I was working on a proposal for what will hopefully become the next book um and I'm just about to kind of go back into that and immerse myself in that so there's lots of um chopping and changing between things as well um and obviously there is the um writing pitches and different things as well for publicity and trying to pull out different strands of the book and thinking about talking about the book in a different way um whereas you know it's one thing to write a book and it's a different thing to talk a book um yeah so there's that <laughs> so it's looking very um changeable i think from day to day there hasn't been big long periods of sitting down and writing which is what I love the most you know I think that's what every writer loves the most but it's been um I think it's very intense but a different type of intensity um yeah it's so true isn't it it is a really different kind of work and I think um it's almost like it is a different job in a way it's I guess you could call it publishing rather than writing (laughs) and it's just a different kind of job um and it's I, I I have enjoyed aspects of it, but the intensity is not easy, especially as it means you do have to kind of brush quite a lot of stuff aside, which can be challenging. But um, it does completely change the way you have to kind of work day to day, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's been much more. Um, so the last couple of weeks, there's been lots of discussions about publicity. And um, so I've got this incredible publicist. She's absolutely brilliant. And I'm hugely lucky to be working with her but there's lots of communication with her and lots of you know she's telling me what she's doing and then she'll hear back from people about different things and there's also lots of um, waiting I think that's the big thing that there always is in publishing there's always waiting and time lags so there's that something might happen but you're not quite sure if it will and then you get news about something and you're not allowed to share the news despite the fact that you are absolutely busting with excitement and there's all of this so I think it's that there's just so much um 
emotions as well because you're like excited about the possibility of something but you don't want to get too excited but you're also (laughs) having to like answer back and forwards about um like publicity materials and how you're going to handle them and different things and so this this like um I suppose it's being versatile as well because you there's no one who can do that for you and the buck kind of still does stop with you although you've got people around you doing things everything still gets run past you um and that's that's been really surprising I suppose I I I come to it not you know you can know that this kind of theory of what it's like but actually doing it is a very different Mm. thing as well um so yeah it's being versatile and I think the thing I can kind of think of it as being the most is like particularly when it comes to writing the first book and then trying to do the second amidst doing everything with the first book as well trying to do everything at once is a little bit like first child versus second child so I obviously (laughs) had like all this time to write the first book and it was great and there's been a lot of time to work on it and that's just been absolutely brilliant to have that time to nurture it and tend to it and it's a bit like the precocious first child who only gets the like the pureed vegetables and it's speaking French by the time it's seven <laughs> months old and and everything's wonderful and the house is still clean and you still have a semblance of a life and then you're like right now I feel like I've just had like the second baby too soon and you're just a little bit like scrambling I suppose as well so it's all a bit um intense and a bit mad and yes oh my gosh that's such a good analogy that sums it up so well I'm I had to do I did a podcast yesterday for my uh, for tender and I've got an event for it next week which I haven't not prepared for yet which I will do um and I it was so funny it was like um now I feel like it's the neglected first child (laughs) because I have to remember what I wrote I have to kind of get back in that headspace Mm. every time I do something like a podcast or an event and um and kind of put myself back in the shoes that I was in when I was writing it and get back into that mode and occasionally what will happen is I'll pick up the book looking for something that I'm like looking for a reading or something and I'll sit down I'll look at it I think oh wow I don't remember writing that that's that's not bad cool right okay I wrote that like I don't even sometimes I don't even remember now um so yeah it's funny that yeah I sort of feel like that about tender now that it's a slightly neglected first child now that another child has come along that's taking up all of my brain space (laughs) yeah I think it's quite funny when you get some time away from your work because I found that when I was doing copy edits um couple of weeks ago I'm trying to think when it was yeah a couple of weeks ago and and reading sections of it and thinking did I write that where did that come from because it just yes where did that come from yeah Yeah. it's just another part of of your consciousness I think despite the fact that it's like all been heavily edited and that you've gone over it and read it so many times you just come at it suddenly almost like a reader comes at it which is quite Mm. can be quite nice and it can also be deeply terrifying at the same time it's just yeah it's it's so true isn't it I think a lot of writing comes from our subconscious um and especially if like you and I I think both both of us write pretty fast um but yeah sometimes I can look back what I've written I think oh look at that I don't remember that um even not long after I've written it which is bizarre um but yeah so it's interesting isn't it because it does mean that between like 
moving on to other projects, um, our lifestyles look very different to the first time we were doing it. Um, and that's both, I think, positive and negative. It's sort of neutral, actually. It's just different, isn't it? It's just, it's just a different way of approaching it when you're juggling lots of different things. Um, I was juggling lots of things before when I was writing, but um, I was juggling different kinds of things than I'm juggling now. Yeah, I think, I mean, what I always struggled with the very most with writing was the uncertainty. And it's, that's just something I think that you have to get used to, really. Yeah, unfortunately. It's an uncertain industry and nothing's guaranteed. And that's kind of the pact that you make when, when you want to be part of it. But what Mm. I struggled with, um, I feel I'm in a very different situation now than I was when I embarked three years ago on writing The Last Days because I didn't have an agent I didn't have a clue if anybody would be interested in it I didn't know if it was a story that anybody would want to get behind and I've been hugely fortunate in that it is a story that so far a lot of people have bought into and are really excited Mm. about Um, and I kind of want to keep that momentum and it would be brilliant to be able to keep that with with future projects and you feel that like although there's no guarantee at all um you think well there's more of a chance because you have people who you've worked with and you have someone who's behind you and who's championing your work Mm. and who's really bought into it and and is working with you and that I think is for me what I find the the kind of biggest game changer is I always wanted people who I could talk about my work with and for a long time mm. I didn't have that I didn't have any kind of um writing community even just to be able to just like talk to somebody else about work I didn't have that yeah. I was just working in literally working in a room pulling kind of madness out my head and trying to shape it into something not knowing if it would become anything um and so now is much for now for all that it's hectic and there's a lot going on and I'm having to chop between projects and I'm having to be really strict with how I manage my time as well I've got to be really strict and got lots of lists and never getting everything ticked off it um Mm. I'd much rather be in that situation than what it was like three years ago though I can feel like sometimes nostalgia is creeping in a little bit and I thank god I just want to be able to sit down and write three and a half thousand words in a day and go oh yeah I've done that because that's quite an easy way of thinking that you've accomplished something whereas when you're at the stage that you've never got everything you want to do finished then it can feel like oh finishing nothing again but um yeah but at some stage you'll be back in first draft mode at some stage exactly. and you might be able to get back into that way of writing again. It's so interesting, isn't it? That um, I think it's really helpful. That's the really helpful thing about the further you get on in your writing life is that you understand more about how you work and where you work at your best. And if you feel like you're kind of at your best when you're able to chuck a few thousand words at the page every single day, then it's exciting the idea of getting being able to get back to that place. But it's just not a place that you're necessarily going to be in all the time. Yeah, I think it's the reality of knowing that you're not going to be able to be in it all the time. And yeah. if you want to be able to get back into that, then you've got to sell what you rope so you've yes. got to this is a necessary <laughs> stage because if you don't do this bit then you sure as hell aren't getting another contract ever again so it's just yeah. that that you've got it's to true. um just realize that like every 
everything changes and once you make something into a job then you've got to do all the job bits too there is a lot of job bits Uh there's a lot of job bits but yeah it's interesting because I'm I've been um my writing life has looked a bit messy the past month or so um but I feel like I'm just now just this week able to start getting back into a rhythm again because um I had two really massive assignments due for uni one of which was uh, was a creative piece but but other bits were definitely not and so it was a different kind of writing um and it was brilliant and hugely interesting and influential on what I'm working on but not the work itself <laughs> so that was that was very time consuming um and then we all had COVID and Christmas and all that rubbish um and being I've just recently then been away doing a writer's retreat which was really wonderful and I had all these intentions of writing at the writer's retreat that I was hosting um but it, I only managed one writing session and it was great. I wrote like, you know, a thousand words in an hour or something. But what I found later that day was my head was actually just too full of everybody else's work. And so I decided to stop writing for the rest of the writer's retreat because I was there to support other writers. And um, and my head was just swimming with these brilliant projects that they're working on and supporting them with their projects. And so I decided in the end not to write on the writer's retreat. Um, it's funny, isn't it? It's like I had, I could have had the time. I could have easily just set aside an hour for each day. That would have been possible. But I just realized I didn't have the headspace to be in my project and theirs at the same time. And um, it's interesting because I'm, I am doing that all the time now I do have client work running alongside my writing and I very deliberately set up my life that way so I can do basically trying to set up my life so that I'm doing 50 50 50 percent working with clients 50 percent working on my own work and I love that it's great but somehow in the intensity of retreat I just felt like I needed to give myself over to the clients and I'm so glad I did now because it was really wonderful and totally worth it um and totally worth putting off my writing for a few days to support them um because it was just super inspiring um what they're all working on but yeah it has meant that my my own writing like I keep track of my I don't know if you keep track of your words do you do a word tracker I've got like a visual word tracker that I graph and uh yeah it's looking uh very up and down the past month (laughs) and uh so yes so the the aim from from now on for the next three months really the next three months yes the next three months is to have a steady curve instead of a jumping around curve. <laughs> yeah, I have like if I'm at first draft stage or second draft, after that it just kind of goes a bit haywire. Um, but yeah, I, I tend to like have a like a um, like a cumulative graph because I like to see things getting bigger so that you feel that yeah. you're getting towards the end. Um, yeah, but I've not done that for not since um last May when that was the last time when I was like really at kind of drafting stage but I've not I've not done that for ages because I just haven't and I I don't find demoralizing doing it when you're editing yeah because um the words just go up and down and up and down constantly I feel like it's a good it's a great drafting thing but yeah I didn't do it when I was rewriting um the last days either because I was I don't know. I just didn't do it. It wasn't helpful. So I, I kind yeah. of, I think because I work quite senior, 
quickly so I work like scene by scene so and because I'm really prone to um punishing myself with numbers so if I don't do enough then I can't finish and I don't think it's productive in any way to be like I have to reach this kind of target if you're that way inclined because otherwise it just becomes another obsession and I have to be really watch that kind of compulsion so I um I when I am rewriting I like to write a scene and then I see if I'm how tired I am I can't I really find it really hard to break mid-scene because otherwise you you've broken the kind of the action and you've broken the tension and everything that's happening so I like to write a full scene and then I can let a character or I can move into the next period in of time so I kind of more work like by blocks and I don't really care it doesn't matter like the length of the scene it can be mm. a thousand words or it can be a big scene it just is like I need to get this scene done and I think when particularly when you're at rewriting stage and you have to kind of walk around the scene or observe more of the scene and pick up on all the really like little details and all those really beautiful things that make it come to life that it really helps just to think right today I will sit down and I will get that scene done um Mm. rather than thinking about the length of it or or just being focused on the kind of the numerical output um that's just what works for me so that's kind of how I do it I am not an obsessive kind of person so I don't have that danger of getting obsessed (laughs) but actually the reason I find the graph easy is because I need to picture um whether I'm generally hitting my target for when the draft will be finished approximately so um if I can see visually how far into the project I am when I plug in the numbers it's more just I guess the percentage of project I'm I'm through or something like that more so that I kind of have estimates um you know for the people who are waiting to read things and setting aside a time time aside and that kind of thing and also obviously I've got some of it has to be had in for marking at university so I have to meet certain targets but um but yeah so I'm finding I'm finding it's been really choppy but I'm getting back into a rhythm now um and my in fact I don't know if you do a word of the year but I've always I've done one for years and years actually and my word this year is focus because I have quite a few projects that are kind of nipping at my heels and I have to be really really careful not to get too distracted and stay focused on the main main projects I want to get done for the year but um yeah it's really tempting to kind of go down different roads as well but my main aim is to get the novel finished first draft has a date that it's got to be finished and then second draft has another date that I want it to be finished as well um and uh and finish my master's they're the two main things but I have two other little things potentially on the go that I'll see um But so for now, for the next three months, I'm going to be really focusing on the novel and trying to get it done. So I'm going to attempt to get into like a proper flow again, like I did when I was writing Tender, which was writing like consistently every single day for about four months. Um, and I'm kind of like that way of writing. I know you're, you're, you like that too, don't you? Kind of basically yeah. throwing yourself in. Yeah, and going I mean, in. so what I do, even if I'm not... Um, so even if I'm not like um working what's the word like I don't even know what I'm trying to describe honestly so we had the cover reveal this morning and that has genuinely just taken up so much of my brain 
and dreams and waking up in the middle of the night terrified that I get it wrong and stuff and honestly you would think it would be easy you think like you see a tweet on Twitter and you think that that's all it's taken that is not the case (laughs) it takes a lot so my brain is a little bit slow today um slower than usual so basically what I try what I'm trying to say is that I try and write like regardless of what is going to be so like at the moment I'm just writing something for me like it's not anything I, I don't even I have no expectations of it because I don't because there's nothing else I'm writing because I get really scared that if I'm not still writing every day then I won't be able to write every day I am the person who when they're walking along thinks if I think about walking I'll fall over and then I start thinking about walking and then I trip so basically it's the same with (laughs) writing like it's exactly (laughs) the same thing like I am just completely neurotic so I with writing think if I'm not doing it every day I won't know how to do it so I'm just doing this thing just now and I don't know what this thing is I haven't planned it I haven't plotted it I haven't really given it a name I'm just doing it and it's really really lovely because I've never done that before because I've always been like right this is this and I will plan this and this is what I'll do but this is just like so that I feel like I'm keeping a muscle strong basically Mm. um And I suppose you can get that same kind of thing with like, well, just keeping a diary every day or just journaling so that you're still doing something, even if you're not doing the thing. Um, And that's actually been really, really nice because it's made me think, oh, yeah, look, you can still write a half decent sentence. And the sentence doesn't need to do anything either. So it's got that kind of joy of writing as well, just Mm. to be doing it. Um, which is lovely but I am when I am at like drafting stage and early stages I can't do it if I'm not doing it every day I I am not the kind of person who can write in snatches I can't I can't particularly Mm. I was going to say particularly when it's fiction but that's not true I can't do it with anything partly because like I get like so into it that like the house could burn down and I'd still just be sitting (laughs) working away because I wouldn't notice which obviously isn't what would actually happen because now I've just made it sound like the house would burn around me but I would like I do need um to be able to just be completely immersed in it and to bring the world alive and I think that some projects they just that's what they demand of you and that's what you have to give them uh but also you get much more out of it I think if you are sitting and working for a solid amount of time it kind of rewards you it gives back to you as well. Um, so yeah, I need to, when I'm working on something, work on it every day because what I do when I finish as well, like if I am doing a scene, then I will write down before I pack up for the day. I'll write down like what's got to get done the next day. And I can mm. if I leave it for a few days, then it's really hard to come back to. It's so difficult to get back into that place and into that voice and into that world that I'd much rather like stay intensely in a world for a shorter period of time than have to spend that time getting back into it which does mean that like I've got a project that I have to go back to but I cannot let myself go back to it right now because 
I don't have the time because I've got other things that I have to do. So this mm. project that I want to do, I've got to wait and then I can go back into it when I can do that intense, prolonged period of writing. Um, but it's it's not yet. It's later on that it will come. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it is hard chopping and changing. I often have to. But like, for instance, I think yeah, Ali and I are in a writer's group together. The, the, the last writer's group we had, I um, the scene that I wrote that was sort of after COVID and Christmas holidays and stuff. I completely wrote the scene in the wrong tense. Like I just forgot what tense I was writing the novel in. That's how bad it was. And I think I was about a thousand words in before I went, oh, shit, I'm completely in the wrong tense. But at least you realise. Oh, well, I realized it, but eventually. Like, we people's work and they kind of like <laughs> tense slips. When I was at uni, we used to talk a lot about tonal lurches, but we never spoke about like tense slippage. But it's true. And that's tense kind slippage. of mm. like the kind of thing that I do when I'm away from it for too long. I've just mm. got to just kind of like live in it and breathe it. And it's really unhealthy when I'm doing it. Like I'm not trying to say that like my way of writing is in any way to be emulated because I think it probably isn't. I think it's probably like, just don't even go down that route. But so when I wrote a fiction draft in last year, it's like the second draft, I did it in uh, three weeks, but I listened to Lana Del Rey's National Anthem on repeat. And I mean like on repeat for hours because it was the only way I could make the character speak and it was a very yeah. um ultimately quite distressing experience and I would stay up <laughs> till like three in the morning and then I would lie in bed like feeling like I had like all my nerves were stripped it was really really odd and it was really unhealthy and it's very much not to be recommended but it's a really really good draft and bonkers stuff yeah. happened and all this madness came out and that's just how I work and I just need to so I think it's almost like knowing how you work and if it's unhealthy you have to think well I will schedule that really like unhealthy obsessive time <laughs> and I'll make sure that I'm quite functioning for like the rest most most some of, the of the time most of the year some of the year I'll yeah. function and then I'll have like this really dysfunctional period but it's okay because I know when I'm doing it schedule the dysfunction yeah oh that's basically. that's interesting I'm I'm definitely not as extreme as you I I do need to, um, I do like to, to get, once I get stuck into something to concentrate on it, but concentrating on it, like, um, I'm intending for instance, for the next three months to spend about two solid intense hours writing every day. Um, and I reckon I can get the draft done in that time. If I'm spending, but you know, two hours at my desk, not including all the time I'll be thinking about it. And that's so much thinking time, you know, all that kind of showering and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, so um, I'm not talking about 24 hours a day, but yes, the music thing really helps. And actually music is a really great trigger for getting back into a scene when you've had a bit of a break. Yes, well, you put it on and you're into the place. I would be yeah. so ashamed if anyone logged into my Spotify because of how <laughs> much I repeat certain songs because of writing. And I kind of would always want to caveat it with anyone who saw it be like, it's because I'm writing. It's because I'm well, writing. I'm not crazy. <laughs> it's quite actually shameful the amount of um, like Spotify emails I got at the end of last year to tell me that I was like, I was in the top 00001 or something percent of Bright Eyes fans. And I was like, I, I know that that looks really worrying, <laughs> 
but it was because there was a particular song that I needed to listen to for the last days and also because writing it was so distressing I had to listen to music when I finished to kind of come back to oh to come out oh that's a really good idea that's a good idea Mm -hmm. that's a very good idea I hadn't really thought about doing that um yeah. Oh, well, okay. So I'm sure there'll be writers who are listening who can relate to the shame of their Spotify yeah. playlist. And it was genuinely like, oh my, <laughs> are they going to ban me? Are they going to like say like, if she tries to book tickets, she can't come to concerts because she's the weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That's so funny. And I, um, I did, you know, when you get that unwrapped thing, the Spotify unwrapped, this is what you listen to the most this year. I didn't need to open it. I knew what it was. <laughs> I knew what my top songs were. I didn't need to look. All I had to do was look at what I've been writing this year and I can tell you what songs. Exactly, because you only listen to five songs on repeat. Again, it's the right thing. Yeah, it's odd. Very odd. Yeah. Oh, anyway, that was a nice diversion. Um, Obviously, the other thing that both of us are doing quite a lot right now is is reading because we've we've got a, a really amazing season of the podcast coming up, which is so exciting. It's so varied quite a few debuts, quite a few really established best-selling authors, um, lots of different genres. It's really exciting. Um, so we've both got lots of reading to do at the moment, but, um, but, um, but what are you, what are you reading that's not podcast related at the moment, Ali? Um, well, see, the weird thing is, is I can't remember, like genuinely, like I'm just not functioning well. I, reading London Fields um, by Martin Amis I'm like about halfway through it's very funny it's very wrong it's really controversial probably it's not dated well not aged particularly well but I really love it it's really funny um been laughing a lot just like at his kind of like at his daring and what he dares to say about his characters and how much he like lets you despise characters as well and we were talking Mm. about that about whether or not you um can have unlikable characters and I'm a big fan I really like yeah unlikable characters I like unlikable books as well (laughs) I like those kind of (laughs) I like tricky and challenging um books and I think there's such a place for them because they kind of um make you see that the world is tricky and challenging and you can't just Mm. like walk away and shut the door on it so I am really enjoying it and I was just got today actually a book that I cannot wait to read um can't remember though did I talk about this is a complete diversion have we spoken about Empire of Pain together yes we have did we, did sure we speak we about that or we might not have spoken about it on the podcast maybe we spoke about it off the podcast okay I well remember I feel I need to bring it back <laughs> just in case we didn't Empire of Pain I finished it um just before Christmas or over no I finished it over Christmas so I day before Christmas nearly chopped my finger off with the blender um stick which is not a story I'm going to in- to go into because it was complete stupidity on my part um but I so I was reading Empire of Pain on really strong painkillers and painkillers <laughs> affect me really badly so I was reading it through this kind of haze um so it's about the Sackler family who um brought oxycontin to america basically and it is a story of corruption and greed and power and it is absolutely brilliant it's by patrick radden keith and he his like his dedication to truth telling and to detail and to facts and to you know trawling through sources and to kind of making connections between disparate events is 
absolutely to be commended. It won the Bailey Gifford Prize for nonfiction. It's been nominated for a whole host of prizes and should win every single one. It's an absolutely brilliant book um, and it will kind of make you hugely angry and make you kind of question how the world's configured as well and how um, we kind of glorify people with money without thinking about how a lot of money is dirty um Mm. and it's absolutely brilliant and I would think for anyone interested in the topic which I've got so into I find it fascinating this like the opioid crisis is terrifying but also really interesting um it's there's a drama series on I think it's on now it might be Sky TV I can't remember but um called Dopesick which is also based on a book oh I have heard lots of really good things about that Dopesick is amazing so I was watching it while reading the book and then I want to buy really throwing yourself in that world (laughs) yes I am just throwing myself into the (laughs) world of addiction because I think it says so much about America and so much about the damage that the American dreams done as well. And so these mm. books feel like they very much kind of follow in the footsteps of the great American books. And, you know, Hunter S. Thompson is one of my favorite all time favorite writers. And I think he wrote very much about the American dream and whether or not it was an actual thing or a, a valid thing. And he really understood kind of the damage that this narrative had done mm. to a country. And that almost follows on um, in like, you know, if your country is so great, then then why do you need to be so disconnected from reality? And it really exposes the great problems that, that America has. So it was a brilliant book. And I've got really back into um, completely just loving non-fiction again I think my first love was always non-fiction but so I am just about to start reading and it's Waterstone's book of the month uh, for February I think um, it's called Madhouse at the End of the Earth by Julian Sancton and it is about the Antarctic and when I was a kid I was obsessed with Antarctic expe- um, like expeditions I love the polar regions I, I love snow and um, so I'll just read you the blurb because I've not started reading it, but I know it's going to be brilliant. So the blurb is, on a sunny day in 1897, a Belgian ship set sail with the dream of reaching the frozen continent of Antarctica. Very quickly, things start to go horribly wrong. With the ship stuck in the ice, the crew are condemned to overwintering in Antarctica and months of the endless polar night. In the darkness, plagued by a mysterious illness, with rats teeming in the hold, they descend into madness. And it's a true life story, and I think it just sounds amazing. So I cannot wait to read it. It is the Waterstones Book of the Month, because I received the email yesterday about it. Well um, then. But yeah, it looks um, it looks so fascinating, completely fascinating. And a number of people have told me about Empire of Pain as well. It is definitely on my list. Oh, it's amazing. It sounds yeah, incredible. You must read it. So what have well, you been I've, reading? I've got so much, and so we can't even go there without because <laughs> we haven't talked about this for ages. Um, but I thought I'd pick a couple that I've read in the last um week and a half that are brand new, so it might be worth mentioning. One very very short one, Emma Gannon's new book, Disconnected: How to Stay Human in an Online World. I mean, the reason I'm recommending this is that um, if you are interested at all ever in in um changing your relationship with with how you kind of work and live online um 
then do read this because I've read quite a few things over the past few years about um, online worlds um, and they're often not written by people who use online worlds, who don't really understand them, mm. <laughs> who kind of poo-poo them and, um, and are very against how much time we spend online. And the reason I like really like this book is because Emma has spent her whole career online and she's not against being online at all but um but so she has a really nuanced approach which doesn't sort of demonize it or anything like that um so it's a really it's a really great very short read um that sort of just looks at at kind of our relationship to not to social media but to email and all different kind of things so if you're looking for a kind of quite balanced nuanced approach and you're not quite sure that you um if you want to change your relationship with how much time you spend online it's a very good one for that um, and oh my gosh, I've just read the most incredible novel that, oh, I feel like it's going to be up there with my books of the year for sure. Um, the Raptures by Jan Carson. And oh, it's yeah. set in Northern Ireland in the 90s about a community in a Protestant, small Protestant town. Um, and the children in this one class all start to die. Um, and it's about what happens in the community when a tragedy like that occurs and how everybody reacts. And it's so fascinating. It's told from multiple perspectives, um, including one of the children in the class. Uh, it's just magnificent. And there's so much, and it sounds bleak, but it's really not that bleak. It's, <laughs> it's There's so much kind of dark humour um, and just so, so much really interesting observation about how people behave and how communities behave under pressure and what can happen when a community experiences trauma. Because, of course, this happens in the 90s in Northern Ireland, so there is mm -hmm. this what's happening, but then there's also this backdrop, this sort of further backdrop of kind of of Northern Ireland itself, um, you know, decades into, um, into conflict. So it's just fascinating. And it's also very like steeped in kind of religion, um, and kind of, um, sort of pro Protestantism versus like really born again Protestantism. So it's, yeah, fascinating. And then of course there's a whole thing of kind of Irish mysticism as well. Mm. So it was, oh, it's so good. Yeah, I've so, heard so really good. good things about it too. Well, it was so nice to be back chatting just with you, Ali. But there's some um, brilliant episodes to come in the sea in this season. I'm so excited about the people we're going to be chatting to. Yeah, this um, so. Um, so we'll see you again next week. Yes. You've been listening to Not Too Busy to Write with Ali Miller and Penny Windsor. You can buy all the books recommended on the podcast at uk.bookshop.org/shop forward slash not too busy to write where a portion of each sale goes to support independent bookshops around the country if you've enjoyed this episode don't forget to subscribe or follow and please leave a review it really helps others to find the podcast